to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 148, and today we are talking about books being released on March 6th, 2018, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Amanda Nelson, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello. Hi, lady. Liberty's in the middle of a crazy nor'easter. I am. I pronounced the apostrophe there. Did you hear it? Nor'easter. Yeah. Uh, I I was just telling Amanda before we started recording, I actually went outside and was blown down. I've never <laughs> had that happen before. And I am qu- quite short and I have a very like low center of gravity. But it, I just wasn't ready for it. And it just knocked me over backwards, like just right onto my butt. So were you, was it? Were you like going to... To retrieve something, or were you like trying to leave the house? I was or? going. I was walking to my truck and uh, just yeah. wasn't ready for it. Nope. I think part of the momentum was like I was opening the truck door at the same time, and it was just like, oh, this wind—it's crazy. But I mean, they even—we have like this giant flag near where I live, like giant flag at the the rotary, and they took it down because I think they were worried like if that thing came down, it's like twenty five by fifteen or something, it would cover a car, you know. So oh my god, the tried the flag tragedy of twenty eighteen. <laughs> it would be awful. So it is kind of crazy here. Like you like you don't realize like how fragile your homes are until the wind makes them make all these strange noises and you're like yes that piece is coming off <laughs> we're getting a piece of the storm uh, today it's obviously not anything like what y'all are dealing with but uh, it's blowing pine cones off of the pine tree that's above my house and so every if you hear any pounding <laughs> it's because pine pine cones are falling into my roof and it's it's so weird like that never happens it's just a weird sound. So, so sounds brought to you today by what are they calling it like bomb apocalypse or something? I think I thought that was last time. So what? I don't. I thought I saw something online that was like bombogenesis or something. I'm what not saying that, that right. All these like hysterical melodramatic names for yeah. storms we have now. I just, yeah. Whatever. Anyway. Yeah. It's exciting, and you know what else is exciting? Five hundred dollars worth of penguin cloth on cloth. Yay! Yes. <laughs> Co segue there. So we are giving away $500 of Penguin cloth-bound classics designed by Coralie Bickford-Smith. Y'all have seen them. If you're on Instagram, you've seen them. They're like the very pretty colors with the repeating design print on them. Um, And we've picked some of our $500 worth of our favorites. Like I literally went to Sharifa, our associate editor, and said, you have a $500 budget. Go pick your favorite ones. And so there's like, there's Dickens, there's George Eliot, Mary Shelley, um, Tolstoy, a whole bunch of books that we're giving away, the, the, like the whole kit and caboodle, to one winner. And the giveaway is open until March 13th. So all you have to do, go to our Instagram account, which is, of course, Book Riot. Uh, the giveaway post is sticky at the top of the profile, so just click it, and that's how you enter. You just have to tag a friend, and that's it. You can tag as many people as you want. Every separate tag is a separate entry. So the more you do it, the more likely you know you are to win. And then at the end of uh, March 13th, we're going to just put in a random.org number generator to pick the winner. So it'll be totally random, and we will DM you if you win. So, yeah, have fun with that. It's a a good giveaway. They're very pretty. I collect them. So this was very much influenced by Amanda's personal taste, as a lot of the site (laughs) is. Let's be real. (laughs) But a lot of the photos on Instagram are of the Penguin Classics. I mean... They're yeah. amazing. They're beautiful. It's like that and the the drop caps. People yeah. love those so much. Yeah. I, I, really, I really like the drop caps, too. Maybe nice. that'll be my 2019 reading goal, is to get those. To read all the drop caps? Yeah. I have the S for Steinbeck, because I have okay. Steinbeck. Okay. I feel like you've but... probably read all of them already. I have read them, but that's not the point. Like, I don't have covers. <laughs> but I don't have this edition. <laughs> Come on. Before we get started, I want to let listeners know that 
We have trigger warnings for the third, fourth, and sixth book. Uh, we do discuss sexual assault, so if that is something that you don't want to hear, uh, skip ahead. Uh, I want to tell you about my awesome first pick because it's so good, and I heard about it online. Like somehow in doing my catalog research, I didn't come across it, but everybody was talking about it on Instagram. It seemed like just like so many people that I respect and admire were mentioning like this book is so great and it's coming out, so you should check it out. And so I did, and it is so good. It is a debut novel. It is called Whiskey and Ribbons, and it is by Lisa Cross Smith. It's so good. It's this beautiful, like, heart-squeezing debut. Her writing is so lush and amazing, which I'll mention again in a minute. But it opens, it's about a woman named Evangeline. She was nine months pregnant when her husband, Eamon, is killed uh, in the line of duty. He responds to a domestic uh, violence call, and he is shot and killed. Um, and, and it's awful and, you know, horrible, devastating. She goes into labor. She has a baby. Now she's alone with this baby. His brother, Dalton, arrives to help her take care of the child. Uh, Dalton is the same age as, as Eamon. He, his mother died when he was in middle school, so Eamon's family took him in, and they're, like, you know, they're, like, br best friends and brothers. Um, and so it's, she's, he's, like, her brother-in-law. Um, but, you know, it's a lot of work for her. You know, she's devastated, she's grieving, and she has to take care of this baby, so Dalton stays. And the story goes on to in, like, shifting perspectives between the three characters, between Evangeline and Dalton in the present day and in the past, and, of course, Eamon in the past. Um, it tells, like, their relationships to one another, and it's, like, this wonderful story of family and love and loss and responsibility. Um, you know, there's this thing where Evangeline and Dalton, they get snowed in together, like, you know, like it happens in books and movies. Um, and, of course, the baby is away at her parents' house, and she's, like, they're like, don't come and get him, you know, it's too snowy, so they're stuck together alone in a snowy house, and, you know, they have, like, this growing relationship, and it's like, what's going to happen between them? Like, is this the way that, that Eamon would want Dalton to take care of his family? Like, he promised him he would if anything ever happened. Um, you know, and Evangeline's like, what am I doing? He's like, you know, my, hu my husband's brother, but, you know, he's also, like, my best friend, and, you know, but I love him, and and it's very complex, like, and very realistic, and, but her, really, her writing, her writing is what makes this book. I can't even describe it to you because I don't know a lot of big words, but it's so perfect. Like, this book would not be the same story without Lisa Cross Smith's writing. It's just pure poetry. It, I, it took my breath away. I'm just so in love with this book, so I'm going to stop there. It's called Whiskey and Ribbons, and it's by Lisa Cross Smith. Okay, my first pick is Children of Blood and Bone by Tomi Adeyemi, which is the first book in the Legacy of Orisha series, um, which has already been, in like, it's already in development with Fox uh, to become a movie, which I'm super excited about. I love this so much. So this is a YA fantasy epic. Like, it's almost 500 pages. It's a big, chunky book. Um, and it's in the same vein as, you know, if you read a lot of YA fantasy, which I do, that, like, princes and princesses and magic and a quest... Uh, you know, the Sabatahir, kind of Libardigo kind of stuff. Um, it is very much in those veins, but it's inspired by West African culture. So it's taking those kind of familiar, um, not tropes, but those like familiar storylines of fantasy YA and doing like totally new and interesting and fascinating and great things with them. So the main character's name is Zeli, and she is um, a, what they call a Maji. She has an inherent like genetic magical ability. But she lives under the rule of a really ruthless king who, when he took over, targeted all the Magi in what they called the raid and brutally slaughtered as many of them as he could find because he had, like, 
a personal vendetta, basically. Um, and since that night, people who are born with this genetic inherent ability to do magic have not been able to do it. Like it's just, the magic is just not there. It's not being summoned forth. Um, so they are since, since then are now living in oppression in this community, in this country, um, not, not able to do the magic and yet still dealing with what is essentially racialized uh, violence and racialized oppression um, because they do have outward signs of their, their magical abilities. Like they all have very white hair um, and there, there are physical manifestations of who these people are. Uh, so she is dealing with all of that, right? Like she's existing under this terrible oppressive regime and she goes off into this hit the town one day to make some money um, to sell like a fish that she's caught so that she can pay her taxes. There's like a special tax imposed on her kind, I guess, quote unquote. And while she's there, she gets caught up in, her, in the um, this like royal plot where the princess who has like totally gone rogue, she's left the palace and has stolen something that will bring magic back to this country and is running. And Zelly gets caught up trying to save her. She doesn't know who she is. She just sees like a girl running for her life from the Royal Palace Guards and is like, ah! and she gets very like caught up in trying to help her. And then she, they figure out um, who each other is, that, that they've got this thing that could help bring magic back. And they go on the run from the princess's brother, who is the crown prince who's set to take over the country, um, who has listened to all of the racialized things that his father has told him and and really believes them to be true. So he thinks that he is protecting his kingdom by keeping these people down. Uh, and then they go off on this like this very Tolkien-esque uh, Lord of the Rings quest of like, we have this magical artifact. We have to go find this other magical artifact and then restore magic to the kingdom and save the world. And it's so great. It's like a page turner. Despite the fact that it's huge and chunky, I read it in I think like two days. Uh, and I cannot wait for the sequel to come out. So that is Children of Blood and Bone by Tomi Adeyemi. Uh, it's fun to follow her on Instagram because <laughs> they're putting like enormous posters of this yes. like all over the place. Um, she had that video go viral when she received her first finished copy and she opened the box and started crying and it was like the most adorable thing mm -hmm. ever. You know, it was just, it's so exciting for her. It's, it's in the cover, oh my goodness. The cover is beautiful. It's got, yeah. uh, you know, it's got a beautiful black girl on the cover, which we need absolutely more of. Uh, it's like so well designed. I love everything about it. I just love it. Awesome. So let me tell you about our first sponsor. It's Beneath the Surface by Lynn H. Blackburn. It's coming to us from Revel Books, which is a division of Baker Publishing Group. And it says here that Lee Weston thought she left a troubled past behind when she moved back home to Carrington, North Carolina. But when dive team investigator Ryan Parker finds a body in the lake near her home, she fears the past hasn't stayed where it belongs. Can Ryan find a way to protect her and maybe win her heart in the process? And it's from award-winning author Lynn H. Blackburn. She grabs the readers by the throat and doesn't let go until the final heart-pounding page. So it sounds super exciting. Uh, and again, it's called Beneath the Surface. It's by Lynn H. Blackburn, and we thank them for sponsoring. Whew. Oh, it's my Whoa. turn again. It is your turn again. <laughs> it's the Liberty Show. <laughs> Such a long day today. I think the wind like knocked a lot around in my head. So, oh. <laughs> uh, My next pick, I think I talked about this when I was discussing uh, books we were looking forward to a few months ago. It is Blood Water Paint by Joy McCullough. It's a novel in verse. It's based on the true story of a famous Italian painter, Artemisia Gentileschi. 
Uh, her father was a painter when she was young uh, in Italy in the early 17th century, and when she was 12, her mother died, and she took over the job of grinding pigment for her father. But it turns out that she was actually a really amazing painter herself, and she sort of improved on a lot of her father's work because he was not that great. But she was a woman, <laughs> so like... You know, she can't do anything because she's a woman. She can grind the paint and whatever. Um, and her father hires a tutor to uh, teach her because he knows that she has some talent. You know, he begrudgingly admits that she's talented. He's not the best. Uh, and But unfortunately, um, I should have given a trigger warning before this. Uh, she's sexually assaulted by her tutor. And it, like, it's her story about, you know, what it's like to not be recognized for her work and, and about this terrible thing that happened to her. And then it's also the true story of her father who took her tutor to court and sued him for property damage. Like, she told her father, like, what the tutor did to her. And they went to court, and she had to testify. And it's the way she writes out, like, how, you know, how intense and terrifying that is for her, but how she's determined to get up and say what, what she has to say. Even under the, the threat of, like, physical harm, they're like, you know, we're going to do these terrible things to you if, you if you don't tell us the truth. And she's like, you know, do it. I'm telling the truth. It, it's just amazing. Um, and it was unheard of at that time for, for someone to win a case like that. And, of course, now her work is, is very famous. But, you know, this is about, you know, 400 years ago. Um, and interweaved with the story of her and her painting and everything that happens is a similar story of two women in a painting that she does uh, who are just very strong women who are fighting back against oppression and sexism. And it's just, it's so, it's really devastating, of course, and very sad, but just the writing is so beautiful and it's very interesting. I had never heard of her before, so I was fascinated. It's, again, it's called Blood Water Paint and it's by Joy McCullough. I love Artemisia Gentileschi so much. Her painting, uh, Judith Beheading Holofernes, is like one of my favorite. It's so... I, I, bad, eh, I don't know if I can say that on this show. Um, <laughs> no, it, you know that's, what I'm a, it's that's one of the characters that she, that's one of the characters that oh. she talks about one of her paintings. Um, I, like, I had never heard of her, so good, good okay. for you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, my next pick is also needs a trigger warning for sexual violence. It is Girls Burn Brighter by Shaba Rayo. And this, I, if you follow me on Instagram, you saw me talk about it. Is my, the my, the best book? Oh, I, I'm, you can hear me like waffling on what I want to say. It's the best book that I've read so far this year. I I'm, I hesitate to say it's my favorite because it is such a difficult book to get through. Um, so it opens in India in a small village um, that's mostly based on sari creation, like textiles. Um, and so almost everyone who lives there is in some way involved in sari production. And you're following two girls, uh, Pornima and Savita. Um, Pornima is the first main character whose perspective you're really following. And she lives with her father. Her mother has died. Her father is a weaver. And she cares. She helps her father do that. And then also cares for her uh, siblings who have, uh, I think she has three or four, her younger siblings, and they are living basically in poverty. Purnima's father hires Savita to help work one of their sari looms so they can make more money. Um, Savita lives is even more impoverished uh, than Purnima. Her father is an alcoholic also. Um, and, but the two girls become super close friends. Like, they really give each other kind of a reason to go on and um, help each other appreciate the beauty in their lives. And then... Uh, 
they both encourage each other to kind of dream bigger. So Purnima's father is starting to think about arranging marriages for her, which he is not excited about. She starts to kind of imagine a life beyond this marriage that her father is arranging for her. Um, Savita starts really thinking about her life outside of poverty and all these sorts of things. Then something really terrible happens to the two girls and Savita runs away. And this is like, that summation is probably the first, maybe third of the book. And then the next two thirds of the book is Savita and Pranima trying to come back together, trying to find each other again after Savita runs. And it takes you, like they travel the globe in search of each other. You go into the different underworlds in, in various cities in India, they, you cross over into Europe, and eventually you end up in Seattle where the two girls are still looking for each other. And the way that they're doing that is through human trafficking. Savita is trafficked herself. Pranima actually becomes a trafficker in her like quest to find her friend, which is a really like, woo. <laughs> um, but it's a perspective that is, you know, I, I have wondered, like, how do women end up working in human trafficking that seems so contrary to, I don't know, everything that you would think is right and good. Um, and I'm not saying I understand it any better now, but it's a, it's a perspective that was just really fascinating and harrowing. Um, really terrible things, terrible, terrible, like grotesque, terrible things happen to both of them. So if you can't handle reading, um, really like sexual like really deviant sexual cruelty this is probably not the book for you but the story of their devotion to each other and the things that they go through and have to overcome you know like these are two poor brown women who are illegally trafficked into into this country and still like just fight tooth and nail to find each other because they are you know like each other's really shining light um so it's a testament to female friendship of course and the things that people have to overcome to find any semblance of happiness when they're coming from that kind of trafficked background. So really tough read, but really, really worth it. So that's Girls Burn Brighter by Shaba Rayo. Fantastic. It, it is such a good book, but it is really, really, really... It's one of those where, like, do I recommend this? Yes. I know. But, yeah. like... <gasps> yeah, so good, With though. lots of caveats. Lots of yes. caveats. Lots my next pick is The House of Broken Angels by Luis Alberto Urrea. It follows a complex Mexican-American family. Uh, the patriarch is Miguel Angel de la Cruz, or they call, as they call him, Big Angel. He, Like I said, he's the patriarch of this very large family. Um, his mother has just died. She was 100 years old. Uh, and unrelated, he is also dying. Um and so he decides that, like, he's going to have this big funeral for her, but also he's going to have, like, this big party to sort of bring the whole family together for one last gathering before he dies. Uh, you know, people from all over. He's, he has, like I said, he has a very large family. He's had a couple of wives. Um, and this brings a lot of characters into the story. And their story takes place um, from several different viewpoints. But it's not confusing. It's, like, fantastic. Like, it gives it its charm, like, all these different people in this family. Because family dynamics are complicated, and you get to hear, you know, different points of view. And and it's and if you've never read uh, Louis, he's amazing. Just amazing. Um, he ha This is very similar to his other novels. He writes great big, you know, wonderful, beautiful novels. And I was so excited when I heard he had a new one coming out. Um, and this, this whole book, like, you can just feel it in his writing, like, this is coming from a place of love. It's just this really warm, big-hearted novel. It's really fantastic. So, again, it's called The House of Broken Angels, and it's by Louis Alberto Urrea. Okay, before we move on, we're going to, I'm going to, talk about our next sponsor. We are not going to do anything. This is me. Um, our next sponsor, which I'm really excited about because 
I love this original series. Uh, it is Restore Me by Tahara Mafi, who I'm sure all of you know is the best-selling author of the Shatter Me series, which was a trilogy. Um, and then she wrote a couple of companion pieces, and so this is continuing that story. This is book four. So Juliet and Warner's story continues in Restore Me. Of course, this is the fourth installment. Um, if you remember, it's been a while since the Shadow Me series came out. Um, so if you remember, Juliet is a girl who has the power to kill with a single touch. And at the end of the series, which I am going to spoil now because that's up for the fourth book, and also it's been like five years, so you're, you know, move on. Um, at the end of the series, she is now like the supreme commander of this area in this dystopian world that she has taken over. She's, there's a love triangle that goes through the third series, the, the first series. She's made her choice and her and the guy that she's chosen are now like in charge of this world. And then this big tragedy happens. Um, and so she has the whole world, you know, in the palm of her hand and has to decide what to do with it. So if you enjoyed the Shadow Me series, which I super, super loved when it came out, um, then definitely go get the fourth installment, which exists now, because sometimes there is justice. So that's Restore Me by Tahara Mafi. Okay, um, it is still me. So my next pick is Speak No Evil by Uzadima Ayawela, who is the author of Beasts of No Nation, which was, you know, critically acclaimed in a huge book when it came out. Speak No Evil is a really, really slim little book that packs like such an incredible punch. The main character's name is Nero. Um, and you're really following him and his friendship with uh, his best friend, a girl named Meredith. Nero is a Nigerian boy. They both live in Washington, D.C. They both come from really, really privileged backgrounds. Um, Nero's father is a CEO of some company, and his mother is a doctor. They're very, very wealthy. And Meredith's parents are like D.C. insiders. They work for whatever the current administration is. Um, or no, they don't work for the current, whatever, they're politicians in D.C. That's all I really need to know. Um, Meredith is white, and of course Nero is black. He's Nigerian. And Nero's also gay, but he has not told his parents. His parents are very conservative, Christian, Nigerian parents, and he does not want them to know uh, his truth. Nobody knows except Meredith, because she comes on to him one evening while they're at um, her house, and he, of course, is not interested, and then has to explain to her why, because they're like best friends, and he doesn't want her feelings and all of this. Um, and... So she decides that she's going to help him, you know, accept his truth and all of that. And she puts like grinder and Tinder and all these things on his phone, which he leaves at home and his father finds. So through her kind of like meddling, his parents discover that he's gay. And the fallout is really, really brutal. Um, they take him back to Nigeria to like be prayed over in this like very intimidating and frightening kind of way in their home church. Um, there's a, some, a little bit of violence involved in them finding out that he's gay. And then he comes back uh, from Nigeria and tries to kind of move on with his life. Like, he did, he's bound for Harvard. Like, he just wants to get out of his parents' house, move on, enjoy his senior year as much as he possibly can. He, Meredith is dealing with her own emotional stuff, and they kind of grow apart. And then something really terrible happens that I cannot spoil for you. Um, I, yeah, I probably should have triggered. It's, hard, it's, like, hard to even give a trigger warning for this without spoiling the book, but I will generally say violence, uh, especially violence towards queer people, it occurs in the book, which I've already mentioned, so that's not really a spoiler. Um, and it does flip back and forth between perspectives, so most of the book is from Nero's perspective, like, like three quarters of it, and then the very last little bit is from Meredith's perspective, which feels very jarring when it's happening, but is purposeful, and you'll understand why when you get there. Um, so yeah, this is a really like important book. Um, also, he thanks his cats in the acknowledgments in Meow Speak. 
which adds a nice little bit of like lightness and brevity to a really heavy reading experience. Um, it's only like 150 pages, but there's so much packed into it, uh, and I really, really loved it. So that's Speak No Evil by Uzo Dima Ayuela. I'm going to change the subject completely. Just like way different than, than your last pick. Uh, my last pick today is the biography Agatha Christie, A Mysterious Life by Laura Thompson. Because really, I just love Agatha Christie and I never pass an opportunity to talk about her. Because she's really, really, really interesting. Like, you probably know a lot about her books. You know about you know, her characters, you know, Miss Marple and Hercule Poirot. But she herself was so fascinating. So fascinating. One of my very favorite people from when I was young. Just so fantastic. And it's like the 100th year anniversary since she wrote her first novel, so a lot of stuff is coming out. And this is a great big bio that was written uh, with the cooperation of the Christie family. Um, she used papers that belonged to Agatha Christie as well as interviews with a lot of her family members. And it's just, she's a really cool lady to read about. Um, she, I read her memoir when I was young because I was like obsessed with her. And she's like, I had a happy childhood. Like, not many people say that, but she was like, I had a very happy childhood. And, and it's not, you know, it's kind of like in that stiff upper lip British sort of way. Like, you know, everything is great. Um, but she, but she also still seemed to have like a, a delightful childhood and she enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, it, she talks about like her first marriage. She, uh, was married and she had a daughter and, uh, her husband, uh, had a mistress and he was cheating on her with this mistress and famously, as you might have heard about, um, even if just by watching the Doctor Who episode, she went missing. <laughs> she went, she went missing for 11 days. Now, like on Doctor Who, it's because of like giant alien wasps, but you know, like, and this is like, like, a, like 70, 80 years ago. So there wasn't like the internet where people could be like, Hey, I just saw Agatha Christie, you know, running through the mall or something like that. I mean, she was gone. Like they could not find her. They found her car. They thought like, her husband had killed her because he had a mistress and it was like this big mystery and she was found at a spa like 11 days later. She said she had no memory of it, um, but she had checked in under the name of his mistress. Like she really just sort of gave it to him, like left him hanging out there in the wind for a while. Uh, and it was, it's, that's so fantastic. I mean, just so great. Um, you know, and then there's a lot about her writing. Like she wrote uh, the uh, murder of Roger Roger Ackroyd, which I'm not going to tell you what happens in it, but like when she published that, like nothing like that had been done before, you know. And now everybody does the thing that she does in that, but it, you know, no one had heard of anything like that before. It was just it blew everybody's mind. Um, and she later, uh, her second husband was an archaeologist. He was fascinated with Egypt, so she spent a lot of time in Egypt, which was cool. And I really, she had this great quote that's something like. Um, if you want your husband to stay interested in you as you get older, like marry an archaeologist or something, because they like old things. Um, <laughs> and and another thing that a lot of people don't know about her uh, is she's. They claim that she was the first woman to surf. Now we all know that that's just not the case. Like she was not, probably not the first woman to take up surfing. However, she was the first notable white woman to be photographed surfing. And so everyone was like, Agatha Christie is the first woman who surfed. But she was crazy about surfing. Like, there's these great photos of her in the ocean, and it's so fun. Um, and I just, she's just so interesting. I just, I'm crazy about her still to this day. Uh, so if you want to learn more about her and find out how cool she was, uh, it is Agatha Christie, A Mysterious Life, and it's by Laura Thompson. I love her so much. I mean, too. She's so weird. <laughs> like, very yeah. follow your bliss kind of thing. 
All right, my last book um, is kind of a little bit out of left field. It's a children's book, but not really, but sort of. Uh, it's A Note of Explanation, an Undiscovered Story from Queen Mary's Dollhouse. It's by Vita Sackville West, um, who you probably have heard of in the context of being Virginia Woolf's lover and best friend. She was also an author in her own right. So the story here is that um, there's this very like elaborate dollhouse. Called, it's Queen Mary's Dollhouse. It's like the most elaborate, expensive, beautiful dollhouse you know, in existence. And is currently on display in Windsor Castle right now for public viewing. Um, and when it was built in the early 1920s, a bunch of like British writers and painters and artists um, created things for the dollhouse. So if you go to see this dollhouse in Windsor Castle, you can see paintings that are in it, dollhouse-sized paintings made by famous British painters. And the library in Queen Mary's dollhouse has little stories in it written by British authors from the time period. And this is one of them. A note of explanation is one of the stories uh, that Vita Sacro West wrote that currently lives in Queen Mary's dollhouse in Windsor Castle. And it is one of the only stories written for the, the house, for the dollhouse, that was that hasn't been previously published. So now it is being it's being published. Um, it's got really, really beautiful illustrations by Kate Belay. And it's very meta. Like her little book is about a time traveler who's kind of like a like a little time traveling sprite uh, fairy who uh, it like exists in and out. She always shows up at like just the right time to have an adventure in the world's most famous fairy tales and all these sorts of things. And then she appears in this dollhouse in the 20s and decides that she loves it so much she wants to live in it. So she like gets a bob and like bobs her hair and starts dressing like a flapper and like goes to parties and had like hosts parties in the dollhouse in this story that like lives in a dollhouse. It's very cute and um, the, the illustrations are very art deco, like you know, the very like 20s uh, appropriate. Um, and I just love that it's this like random historical kind of feminist artifact from the 20s that nobody knew or thought to publish until now for some reason. Because um, she was a very well-known, you know, she's a very prolific author and memoirist and poet um, in her own right, um, aside from her really well-known relationship with Virginia Woolf. So go check that out. It's beautiful. Like it's, the cover is um, green and it's got like silver, like filigree designs on it. It's just really nice to look at. So that's A Note of Explanation, An Undiscovered Story from Queen Mary's Dollhouse by Vita Sackville West. Amanda, we yeah. we made it. It was it was harder than usual, which had nothing to do with you. Um, what listeners don't know is that halfway through the show, your power went out, so you yeah. are now you finished recording at Rebecca's house. I'm at Rebecca's house. Yeah, sort of strange. But <laughs> we it, talked I mean, about the every, storm like, at the start of the show and jinxed it. <laughs> yeah, I, like if anybody's power was going to go out, I thought for sure it was going to be mine. I was like, I'm because we're, we're recording early. I'm trying to take Monday off, so like we're recording early. And everything that could possibly go wrong for me has gone wrong today because of that. Because that's how those things work. And then your power mm -hmm. went out. And I was like, okay. Yeah. So, but we made it. We made it. So This is how much we believe in these books. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Yes, you drove across town to finish recording. That's so fantastic. I appreciate it. Um, so now tell me what you're going to read next. Um, I'm going to pick up Heartberries, which is a new... Did y'all talk about this on the show? I don't remember. I did, like, yes. You did, yes. So it's a new memoir uh, by Therese Marie Malhot, which I like went and bought because I read the um, profile of her in BuzzFeed that was about emerging Native American authors. Um, so this is her, it's really little, um, memoir of growing up on a, the Seabrook Island Indian Reservation and then having like a really dysfunctional family and the things that she had to deal with. Um, like she's got PTSD, she's got mental health issues. She was treated really poorly by social workers, and it seems like a, I don't know, I'm like, 
She has a personal experience with the foster care system, but on the end that I'm not used to dealing with. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of bracing myself because I don't know how I'm going to respond to it. But it, everyone's been loving it. Um, it's it's fantastic. Yeah, so it's really so good. Um, the other author mentioned in that, that BuzzFeed profile, uh, Tommy Orange, his forthcoming book there, there is incredible. Like, incredible. Like, I, I can't even talk about it anymore because I'll die. what are you reading next um uh so tomorrow i am going to meet weird al yankovic what (laughs) yes um my boyfriend kindly bought me a vip ticket to go hang out with him after his show uh because he's my favorite so i dug out my weird al authorized biography that i got when i was nine for christmas um, which for like a couple hours i thought i had lost it so i cried a lot because I was like, I thought I kept this. Um, and then I found it. So it had a happy ending. Uh, so it's it's like, it came out in 1985, which is amazing because I'm only 24. But it's <laughs> like just crazy pictures and like a made-up bio of him and all this stuff. And it makes me so happy. Like, it's not even in print anymore. But that's what I'm going to spend my evening, like, studying up before I go tomorrow. Because I'm a super nerd. Surprising no one. I cannot wait until somebody writes your biography, Libby. <laughs> yes, I, I was, like, thinking about my idols today, and I was like, oh, yeah. My boyfriend is actually going with me, and he doesn't really know any Weird Al, so I was playing him some the other day, and he, like, when we were done, he's like, this explains so much about you. Just, <laughs> he's like, it really does. I feel like I'm getting, like, a history of liberty by listening yes. to this. I was like, oh, yeah. So, that is all for today. And that's really all we can take. (laughs) We've had enough. Thank you again to our sponsors, Beneath the Surface and Restore Me. We will have links to those in the show notes. If you want to drop us a line, you can reach us at allthebooks at bookriot.com. You can find us on Twitter. I am Miss Liberty, and Amanda is I'm Amanda Nelson. Look, I remembered this time. Uh, Yay! (laughs) If you want to leave us a rating or review or say hi to us and help other book lovers find us, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate that. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. So in the meantime, happy Happy reading. reading.